0: Listening to ComedySlamRadio.com. From our studios to the world, we bring you the finest in quality entertainment. So pop some popcorn, grab a smooch buddy, and settle in for another fine show from
1: ComedySlamRadio.com.
2: Thank you for tuning in to the Let's Be Frank show on ComedySlamRadio.com where we bring you national touring and celebrity comedian interviews. Follow us on Twitter at Let's Be Frank Show. And if you miss our live broadcast, you can find us on Stitcher Radio and iTunes at Let's Be Frank's podcast. And please contact us with any questions or information about advertising and sponsoring at Let's Be Frank with Dave Frank at Yahoo.com. And good evening. Welcome to another episode of the Let's Be Frank Show. Tonight, I am very lucky. Uh, I just had a mystery guest stop by. Not too much of a mystery. Not really much of a mystery. It's just it's just <laughs> it's Gwiggy. It's We're just getting Gwiggy with it. <laughs> but we do have a very special guest on tonight. He's called in before. He was so funny, we had to have him back for some more. Uh, Mr. Doby Maxwell. How you doing, Dobie?
3: Gentlemen, it's great to talk to you. I am lucky. So, you know, anybody can get on a show one time. But you can ask back. You know knows that people like you. So either that or your your guest list is way low. Either way, it's a delight to be back, brothers.
2: <laughs> well, you are Mr. Lucky, so.
3: Wrong place, wrong time. That is me, man. If, uh, if I, uh, My grandpa said the difference between good luck and bad luck is good luck ain't funny. So uh, I have to be comedian, man. I don't know what it is. In a past life, whatever I did, I'm sorry already, but I'm paying for it with interest. That's life. Nice.
2: Born for... Other people's
3: problems are funny, aren't they? Isn't it funny when someone else has a big problem, someone's arguing in a, in a store with the, with the old lady, they're screaming and hollering. It's like, you know, you feel pretty good about your life. That's why I'm a comedian.
2: Absolutely. And there's all sorts of messed up people in the world to help you see your life so much better.
3: I call them the dented cans. That's what most comedians, especially, are dented cans. They don't put the dented cans in the grocery store or in the regular shelf. They always put them in that cart way in the back of the store by those two swinging doors. You got to walk through, and you got to take a dump in the grocery store, which is the last place you want to do that. And <laughs> that's where they stick the dented cans. And comedians, we're dented cans. You think if our old man would have played a little league baseball or been a coach, we would be standing in a strip ball in Tallahassee trying to get jokes that make drunks laugh who got in free because they put their business card in a fish. Ball, we need that love
2: from strangers. That's what we do. Yes, I'm. I'm destined to need love. Broken hearted. I need at least six girls uh, to make me feel loved. It probably takes really? six six girls in four minutes, maybe three. But that, that's just
0: to, <laughs> that's just to get all you the way like around. The way loving.
2: Yeah. Beep. I'm gonna
0: point out the hot chicks talk to
3: me now because they say, "Oh, you're funny like my dad." Oh. <laughs>
2: now that's just that's because of the age thing, man. Are you you got you got you're not just for mending the gray hairs?
3: No, no, no. I don't have I don't have gray hairs. one of the few things I, I'm I'm pretty good on that. It's uh it's uh holding out on that. But I just talked to the young women. Remember the old days when. George Bush was president. It's like, okay, we're <laughs> off. There's nothing to talk about here. <laughs> you know, t- tell me all the episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer that I missed, which was all of them.
2: <laughs> I, I am honestly next, proud to say I missed all of those.
3: Every time I see a hot chick, it's like, is your mom single? That's what I'm doing. You know, I'm to the point now I'm in the bars. <laughs> Get a hot mom. How about an ant that's out of prison, something. What, right? what yeah, are you even?
2: Do, what are you even doing in a bar? You don't even drink.
3: I don't drink. I'm the, probably one of the only comics that doesn't drink. It makes ugly people reproduce. That's my only. Uh, uh, I guess, a uh, protest against it. I just never wanted to. You know, I think most most comics, a lot of times they go into substance abuse to try to quell the pain. I guess the stage did it for me, but I saw a lot, a lot of bad things happen uh, with drugs and booze. I'm not trying to be a preacher or tell anybody what not to do. I just don't think I'm going handle it, so I chose not to do it.
2: Well, you probably full of all that cheese anyway.
3: Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> concentrated, You know, when, when, you, when you cut yourself shaving
0: and Parmesan comes out, you're in bad shape. I'm, I'm from Wisconsin.
2: So there's just no room for
0: the alcohol, basically. The
2: cheese there you go. Really nice. Unless it was soaked well, in. The-
0: it, you can
3: absorb, you know. Yeah. I mean, if I drink alcohol, it's policy, a lot of cheese in it, just like you know, you blow up like one of those sponges.
2: <laughs> so tell us what's been going on lately. I know you know it's been a few months since you've been on the show. I know we chit chat a little bit on Facebook, but what's been going on? I know last well, time there's a lot of
3: comics. In. Well, go ahead.
2: I was going to say, last time, you were I know you'd done radio a lot, but you were just getting ready to sit in and fill in for a buddy of yours that was taking some time off on radio, and you were going to take his spot. I think it was for a couple of weeks.
3: Yeah, it was for a couple of weeks. It was on a, a talk station, a news talk station, and it was a whole different experience. I mean, you're getting some great experience sitting in there doing what you're doing because you're talking to comics and you're trying to learn the business. And this is really smart of you. I really mean that—that that you're you're getting a, a little bit of like experience in, in different different areas. And as, nice. as far as I was go, I did radio before. I was always the wacky guy on the morning show, the side guy. You know, right before the I hit the big line, and then they go to a jingle, and then they uh, go to a song. You know, it's on a morning show. But I never sat in a room by myself and had a talk for eight or nine minutes before. Right. And he said, "You got to get that. Nobody calls." I was in Rockford, Illinois, and doing mornings from 5 a.m. to 9 a.m. I don't know if people have phones in Rockford, Illinois, but so <laughs> I get on there. I realized I got to talk, and I, there's nobody going to call me, so I got to just stretch. And if there's no audience watching. You're in a room by yourself, and the producer is uh, shooting heroin between his toes, reading that Beetle Bailey in the comic <laughs> section. That was a whole new experience. It was a good experience, but a very different one. Yeah.
0: yeah I. I, I, go ahead. I was going to ask, how did, how did you prepare for for? Uh having to cover that much time. Like how many hours a day were you on in the morning?
3: Four hours a day.
0: Wow. How do you prepare it's, for, for co- having to be just talking by yourself for four hours straight?
3: Oh, it's a, uh, you basically have a con- conference with yourself you get the paper out, and you look through, it. it's like, okay, here's a couple of stories I want to talk about, and you bring up the points, and you explain it, and you, you're supposed to offer an opinion. I got a little coaching from a couple of guys at the station, and this is what you do, and they're pretty much conservative news talk guys. It's like, I think all politicians are crooks, left and right. I'm not going to go off on that, because I really don't care. I think we're the ones that are getting boned in that situation, so I tried to talk about fun stuff. I also have a paranormal show called The Mothership Connection on Sunday night, so I had a lot of people uh, from that uh, genre that... That I would have on as guests. Nice. I think I don't know if people in Rockford wanted to hear about flying saucers and werewolves and unicorns and <laughs> and uh, ghosts at five a.m. But they sure did, and it was it was a fun experience. I really really learned a lot in two weeks. It was good training.
2: It's funny yeah. that you say about the UFOs because I grew up in Pine Bush, New York, which is right by Searsville Road, and that is where okay. there's been that's been the most UFO sightings in anywhere else in the country. Nobody out does Searsville Road in Pine Bush, New York.
0: See, that's funny because I grew up in Vermont, and and we had the most sightings of unicorns.
2: And man, <laughs> you kill in
0: Vermont everywhere. I'm telling you,
2: but it was funny because
0: we were You're like, "We're that... albino unicorn." <laughs>
2: <laughs> that was watching With a UFO. My left <laughs> Gr- Griggy has a stuffed unicorn in his room. I, I don't want to say why I know that it was there, but his sister told me.
0: Beautiful. Right. You, good luck, Chuck. This is
3: why I, I come I a on lot the lot of comics, you know, Very seriously, a lot of comedy are in a transition period. I've been doing clubs for a long time. And it's, I think it's an age thing. It's a, it's a generational thing. I'm in the internet generation today. and I know I'm now the old fart, but I never thought I would be, but I totally am. I've been doing comedy over almost, uh, almost going on 30 years since the first time I ever stepped on a stage. It took a couple of years to get going full-time. But I think that most comics that have been doing it a long time have to really make a transition because we're too old to flip hamburgers and we're too young to be Walmart greeters. But so We really don't have a very good work history. You know, some of us have gone into radio, but a lot of guys, are, you, you've got to get more entrepreneurial. I think anybody in the economy, the way it is, we have to get more entrepreneurial. And I just, uh, you know, a lot of guys I know are really, really struggling right now. It's like I, I look up for the challenge. I'm a cockroach. I'll survive. You know, so I've got a couple of legs to scamper back under the fridge at the end of the day with an antenna out there. I'm okay. I can survive. But a lot of guys I know are just really crumbling. I don't know how it is in the scene with the guys you talk to on the show.
2: Well, you know, I think most of the people that I talk to are, if they're not celebrity comics, they are right. touring, uh, working comics. We do have some uh-huh. people, you know, we do have people a lot of times from right here in the Tampa area that are still, uh, either open mic or a couple of years in the industry. And then, you know, so we hear a mixture of, ev- of everything. Uh, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's always interesting. It's always fun. Um, but I hear from everybody, all walks of life. Just a couple of weeks ago, we had on Jay Wendell Walker, who was gotta oh, be. Oh, love
3: Jay Wendell Walker!
2: Yeah, I mean, fifty plus years, fifty plus yep. years, and I mean, he didn't even start doing comedy. He started. I mean, it was such a. I mean, it's a great show. I still talk to the guy all the time. You learn so much when in five minutes with him. I learn it's it's incredible. He's a very very smart man, funny, and I mean, in two was two thousand six, he won. Um, the San Francisco comedy competition mm-hmm. in his right. late 60s.
0: Yeah, wow. I mean, that's yeah.
2: incredible. I haven't Either even won a competition. incredible guy.
3: I absolutely. If, if anybody in that's listening to the show it doesn't know who Jay Wendell Walker is, it's a shame that everybody doesn't. But go Google him and check him out. He is a pro's pro, man. Yes. One of the best. Absolutely.
2: Yep. Uh, it was funny because when he called in, he said he nobody expected him to win. So he said he just uh-huh. went out, balls out, and he did a different show. Every single time, because he was like six shows uh, to win the competition, it was a whole bunch of Sundays, and he just did what yeah. he had to do. And I guess at the end, he he had won five of the six days, so he was like a shoe in. It didn't. There was not. He never even looked at the scores. He found it at the end just how great he did. Yeah, well,
3: I was I was in a San Francisco comedy competition in two thousand three. And it was a very similar situation. I was uh, going into the, the the finals in the lead, and I had a, a technicality. Uh, it, it, I won't even bore you with the story, but it was a situation where I got off stage early because I thought I saw a light. And uh, it turns out the camera guy—they filmed the, the finals for a, a California, or a San Francisco television station—and one of the guys on the camera had a little flashlight out, and he was working on his camera. There was something wrong with it. I thought that was the light to get off stage. So it was a technicality, and it was a big argument. So they said, we have to dock your points. It's like, well, that looks like a light to me. I know what a light looks like. Well, you, So I, I ended up taking third. But still, uh, to get that far, it's, it's a wonderful competition. And I think a lot of the newbies, you should, you should check it out. I think competitions stink. I, I can't stand them. But that's the big one. If you're going to be in a competition, do San Francisco or Seattle. Those are the big two. There you go. Right.
2: Now, you've been involved in festivals before, though, right? I mean, that's a little bit different than going for a competition.
3: Yeah, I've done a couple of those before, but I think no matter if it's a festival or or a competition or even, you know, headlining around, I think comics today, I saw, like, you know, these kids today, nobody knows their character, who they are. Mr. Lucky, it's like, you know, does the show Gilligan's Island, I don't even know if young kids watch Gilligan's Island anymore, you've seen it, haven't you?
2: Hell yeah, I saw Gilligan's Island, baby, that was one of my favorites.
3: So, so I'm saying, Gilligan's island, what's the premise of that show? They almost get off the island, and at the very end, Gilligan screws it up. That's every episode <laughs> over and yeah. over and over again, a hundred different ways. Well, Mr. Lucky, wrong place, wrong time, worst-case scenario, plus a little glitch or a twist or a wrinkle, and that's Mr. Lucky's character over and over and over again. And I have to, I've to—I've learned that over, you know, 25-plus years. There's a lot of material that I, I really used to do that got a lot of laughs, but it's not its not that character. So being uh, a character, a persona, a point of view, that takes years, if not decades. And I think in the Internet generation, I see a lot of the comics that come up, they might get a couple of laughs, or they, they, they may imitate, you know, they're very similar in style to a, a Mitch Hedberg or Bill Burr, or who's ever hot at the time. And they might have 5, 10, even 30 minutes of halfway fun Jokes and material, and that's okay. But they're not a comic. They're not a persona. Jay Wendell Walker is a persona. It's, it's a craft, and it takes years. and I sound like the old farts talking to me when I started out. I'm going to do it in you know, a lot less time than it took you, old man. And you know what? That, that doesn't happen that way. Mm-hmm. Right? It just doesn't. It's a it's a craft. You got to respect the craft, and a lot of people
2: don't. Now, is that that sounds like it's probably like the first five minutes of what you talk about in your uh, comedy class? Because I know you also teach a comedy I- class.
3: I do. I, it's, it's like a scared straight situation. You know, so you watch that show and then with an A and E, scared straight. And I'll, <laughs> I'll get right in their faces. It's like, I'm your future. I had the same thing. I was coming up in my early 20s and I was down. I okay, who here, raise your hand if you were born after November 24th, 1983. And usually, little young kids, it's all of them, you know, they would say, well, that's when I stepped on a stage. And 30, whatever, how many years later, 29 years later, this is, you know, this is what I am. Standing in a strip mall, talking to you. Have you ever heard of me? Probably not. Does it mean you're a failure if you don't get famous? Hell no. I made a living at it for almost 25 years. You know, right. It's the craft of it. Yes, it's great if you can be a millionaire and get a sitcom and do all those fun, fantastic things, but that's a very small percentage of anybody that does comedy. I've seen the lineup of people that you have on your show. You've had some big names, and that's great, but a lot of guys like me, people say, how come I never heard of these guys? Because we're busy working. Because we're right, busy yeah. entertaining people in Tampa, and Pittsburgh, and Kansas City, and Vermont, and upstate New York, and Milwaukee. We can't be out there schmoozing with the people in new york and la that's a whole different part of the business as well there's the show and there's the business most comedy craftsmen are practicing the show and the business is on the coast and it's very hard to do that you know most people are good at one or the other and usually not both
2: there you go Hmm. and you know it's funny because i sit there and i question myself i'm just over two years doing comedy now and i've pretty much I, i am i'm a pup but and all i've done pretty much is self-deprecating humor, fat guy stuff. I have very little material outside of that, and I really feel oh, wow. like I need to write something different because I don't know. I mean, every, you know, we joke around and everybody calls me Fat Davey and it's fun, but, you know, is it yeah. going to is is it enough to go out 10, 15, 20 years or is it enough to take me full-time? I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it is because I don't really we'll talk about, about my life. Not like no, you know, stories.
3: Just think of it. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but here's a question. Usually, in any any generation and and comedy, there's room for one fat guy. You know, so it was Louis Anderson for a while. Yeah. It was John Panette for a while. Uh, it was uh, I'm trying to think who else. Let's let's go back. Who you know? Jonathan Winters was kind of a fat guy. He was more of a, an improv guy, but yeah. he's kind of a heavy set guy. Yeah. There's usually room for one, and then there's there's everybody else that's trying to be that. Right. You know, it's like there's one insult comic. It was Don Rickles. Now it's kind of Lisa Lampanelli. Mm. You know, kind of. But and so
2: I don't think I'm taking anything right. away from Gabriel Iglesias. anytime soon.
3: Yeah, and, and no offense, Gabriel Iglesias, another wonderful comic, nice guy, all that kind of stuff. But I think, you know, that's true. And you start out that way. I also talk about the comics coming up. You have baby teeth when you're a kid for a reason. They help you chew and grow, and they have a real purpose when they're in your mouth, but they fall out as you get up and you grow, and they never come back again, and you don't need them. You go on to your big teeth. And a lot of times when you start out in comedy, the first three to five years are baby teeth. You know, you get laughed at those bits, and maybe, you like you said, you do self-deprecating humor and stuff. But as you peel those onions and you get inside the real you, who you are, then you're real then that flow of water comes out, the fresh, clean water that's you, that's your that nobody can steal because right. it's inside you. And that just takes years to grow. I don't care. Uh, if you take classes, I'll tell people this. The first anybody that tells they can make you funny is lying to you. I cannot make you funny. I can help you and point you in a direction. That's that's the thing with the veterans do. You you look back. Okay, the secret to walking on water is know where the rocks are. Here, here, here. You can step, but you have to do the work. I I always look at young comics. It's so funny. It's like you you watch their their comedy when they start in the first couple of years. And Dave, maybe you are. I haven't seen your whole act. And this is no insult to you. But a lot of times, comics look outward. You know, it's almost like they take a pen and a pad and they walk through the mall and say, "Oh, what's funny about Sears?" What's funny about the fountain? What's funny about Orange Julius? What's funny about that? And then as comics get older, they turn inward. You know, this is what happened to me today. My opinion. My business happened to me. I'm, I'm cranky. It's hot outside. I don't like that. What you like. You know, the audience wants to hear your opinion and know about you. They don't want to hear about Obama and, and the Olympics and whatever the current events are. They'll turn on Letterman or Leto or Jimmy Kimmel or, or Comedy Central for that. They want to know you when you're on stage. And I think the sooner that you can get to that, the, the faster you're going to grow.
2: There you go, Greggy. Did you have you know, a question? A free
3: lesson.
0: Yeah, no, I think that kind of almost answered my question. I was going to ask what your sort of aha moment was, because because that put it into a great perspective. The whole Gill- Gilligan's Island analogy, right there, uh, about mm-hmm. how every show uh, they try to get off the island almost at the end, Gilligan screws it up, and that's every week, and that's your whole persona idea. Uh, I'm just curious how you. Kind of came to that where you you started to focus more inward than outward in a sense. What what made it?
3: I don't exactly know it is. I, I hope you never have to come to this point. i i had you know most comics, the, the good ones have had horrible childhoods. They just are uh, dented cans. My dad was a biker. He rode with the outlaws and uh, my mom was, a, was a, a hooker and a stripper and a drug addict and she left our family when I was six months old and I was raised by my grandparents. So I'm not looking for sympathy. That's just the way it was and the way it is. And you look at Jackie Gleason who wasn't really a stand-up. He had a horrible life. Charlie Chaplin's parents, flaming raging alcoholics. Richard Pryor grew up in a whorehouse in, in uh, Peoria, Illinois. I think you need, that, that, uh, you, you need to be on stage. And sometimes when there's depression. That goes with that. That's why there's a lot of substance abuse. And I was in comedy probably about 10 years. And, and it was, you know, the situation where I'm not sure if it is in, in Tampa or wherever else. But I said, some cities, if there's two clubs, you know, the, the owner's like, well, if you work my club, you can't work the other one. And those a club wars. That's gone on for as long <laughs> as I've been around. Why the comics have to suffer for that, I have no idea. But I was in a town, and it was Madison, Wisconsin at the time. I was about t- 10 years into the business, and there was a club war going on. And I was banned from the good club because the booker didn't like me, so I worked in the other club. And and it was a snowstorm, and there was about 15 people in the club on a Saturday night. And I, was, I wanted to put a bullet in my head. Things weren't going good. I wasn't getting paid well. I have a friend of mine who's not even a comedian. I said, so I'm so depressed. He goes, look, there's 15 people in here. This is not a career night. They don't care about you. They don't know who you are. They don't know your act. Just go up there and bitch says, everybody that knows you knows you're the funniest when you just bitch about your life and what goes wrong and you just, just, and just, you just let it go and blah, 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 machine gun style. I want you to go up there and look at me and just talk to me and tell me your problems. What's wrong with your life right now? And I thought, well, you know what? Uh, he's got something there. It's it's uh, cheaper than therapy. So I stood on stage in front of 15 people and I just went off and I just went off on my life. And my mom's talked about me getting breastfed and I still use the joke to this day. I got breastfed in the back of a Harley. You know, her mom's got the leather jacket going 75 miles an hour, flips out a boob, it's hopping all around. By the time I get it, it's butter. <laughs> you know? And it's like, boy, and laid him out. This one guy, he literally fell off a chair. He was laughing so hard. And I got it right in his face, this is funny to you, Mr. Wally Cleaver lifestyle. You live out in the suburbs, got a nice wife. you're knocking out pieces of ass while I'm sleeping in some horpies infested motel with the name of an animal in it. the <laughs> Sleepy Weasel Motor Lodge. And this is funny to you. And he's literally gasping for air. He can't laugh any harder. And it felt so good to get that out there. It's like, you know, it's a luck thing. I got crappy luck. And I went out, and I'm not saying it was all stellar material, but it was raw, and it was real, and those 15 people were riveted. I was supposed to do 45 minutes. I did an hour and 15, and I had nice. never done an hour and 15 on stage before. I didn't do not one joke of my, quote-unquote, act, and that was the day that I busted through. Wow. And After that, it was not the same. I, I couldn't do my old bits anymore. It took me a long time to readjust, and I was, it wasn't polished. It took me a long time, but that was the one that popped the cork that night. Wow. I hope I hope you guys don't have to go through something that's that dramatic. Mm-hmm. But that was pretty <laughs> dramatic for me, and I, I never looked back.
2: Oh, well, that's great. Hey, whatever it takes to get you there, whatever it takes to get you to the next step. I know for myself, I've been taking a lot of time out on Sunday nights, and I go to a writing group, uh, a couple of local comedians, uh, Steve Eric, who you know oh, from yeah. the past. I love Steve Eric, yes. He comes out almost every Sunday, if not every Sunday that he can and helps us out i'll go there with a page and a half of material and i'll leave there with two jokes that have three lines in them and i'm like oh yeah the rest wasn't funny huh and, and he Beautiful. says to and he goes hey when you're telling a story okay. you tell the story you tell enough of the story for them to understand the punchline and move on you don't uh-huh. have to tell so for me like i'm i have a whole thing that i want to start talking about with my initials uh, which are DMF, which unfortunately I got picked on and was called Dumb Motherfucker my whole life. But I think, <laughs> I, you know, it gets a giggle and I think I can go places with it. But I think I have to write out the whole story about, you know, this instance and that instance. And then I'll go to those writing sessions and then it'll be, all right, well, we could take this out and shorten it up. And each one of my stories will become one line. And it'll almost be like all that work is to gain, you know, five or six, seven minutes worth of material. So it takes a lot of effort now, and time just to create a small amount.
3: That's why stealing material is so painful when you get something stolen from you because you, those are your children, exactly right. You, you've put everything to make to make the uh, the, the jokes uh, flow and to polish them in front of maybe 30, 40, 50 audiences to get one or two lines exactly right, and then someone comes up and plucks them. That is Now you're, you're seeing the process and how hard it is.
2: Yep. Now Gwiggy, on the other hand, seems to... You know he started off doing a lot of uh improv and I don't know how much improv you've done, but
0: well, I do a lot of short form stuff so. short form yeah.
2: improv but Aww. I think that's helpful because it takes you from you know if something's going wrong on stage the you know to improv out of to you mm-hmm. know improv out of the the hole you've dug yourself into is a little bit easier. (laughs) Because all I got is, hey, I guess I'm not going to tell that one next week. They laugh, and I move on to the next joke. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Or, hey, I guess that one was crappy or something. So did you ever do any improv, or how do you feel about improv comedy?
3: You know what? I think there's a a war, a stupid war, between improv (laughs) comics and actors and comics and magicians and ventriloquists and comics. Any stage act, all those things I just mentioned are difficult to do, and I have nothing but respect for improvisers and actors and stand-up comedians. I always like to tell my students, as you look at the solar system of entertainment, I think stand-up comedy is out there. Whether they took the planet status away from Pluto or not, it is as far out from the sun as you can go five minutes of stand-up comedy, because you're by yourself. Mm -hmm. Improvising, you're on stage with other improvisers or the audience can make suggestions. In comedy, stand-up comedy, it's just you that's responsible for the energy. If you're going great, It's you. If you suck... It's you, mm-hmm. and you got to plug into the audience. So, again, I have no disrespect for improv. I, I happen to be a pretty quick thinker. I have a pretty natural gift. I like hanging out a lot of times if an improv group. used to see a lot more of that in clubs. and say, hey, you want to play freeze tag with us at the end? In stand-up, nice. so their eyes would get big. I would want to do that. I love it. I think it's a lot of fun to be out there on the edge, and mm-hmm. I think any time you can get on stage doing anything, it will eventually help your stand-up. But I think a big mistake that young people make is they think that it's, it's all one big, you know, mashed potatoes mixed up in there. Improv is improv, acting is acting, comedy is comedy. They are all separate skills. I think Mm -hmm. having a good mind for improv and I've done it, it could lay a good foundation, but stand-up is its own thing. I think people say, well, I'm a pretty quick thinker. I'm just going to go up there and riff off the audience. A lot of times they use it Mm -hmm. to not prepare. You know what I mean?
2: Right, and a lot of times (laughs) if you go up there and riff on the audience, you could lose them quick and then it's done.
3: Well, it's okay if you riff on the audience, but if you lose them and you don't have any material to go back to, you're right, then it is done. Yeah. You know, Bill Cosby talked about that. He'll go up and do an hour 45 and and two hours sometimes, which I just find, you know, phenomenal and amazing. And he'll say sometimes he'll go up and just he'll catch a night when he'll say maybe 5% of the the stuff that comes out of his mouth was planned. They're into him. He's into them. He'll just say, I got a rock-solid act that can go to in a second. If the riffing stops, and that took him probably, you know, 50 years to do. Yeah. So, but I, I have nothing but respect for improv comedy. I think a lot of stand ups need to respect it more because done well, it's very difficult, but so is stand up. I think improvisers have to have respect for stand up too. It's different. They, yeah. It's like beta VHS, which is probably an old reference, but yeah. I think you know what
2: it means. Yeah, yeah, everybody from that was born in 1990 doesn't know what those two words mean beta it or is. VHS. But you guys do. Yeah. 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 yeah, you know, I, I, I'm knocking on 40, man. Or I am 40. I'm knocking on 41. I got no hair. My my age is not going to catch up to my waistline he anytime is unattractive. soon. Fuck you. I am the best-looking <laughs> fat man there is, baby. You don't get any, any, any fatter and... In- sexier than fat Davey that's just the way it is
3: hey, if, if you're in prison sense of humor is a good thing man and all, all the prison dates sites the big uh, the big thumbs up
2: well I I have luckily not been in prison I did make the news a couple of weeks ago but I, I didn't have any handcuffs on so it was mm-hmm. nice they actually put, you do? they came out to uh, I told you I did that uh, charity show uh for yeah. Caleb Melody and they one of the news stations came out and You know, they did a little story on it and I got like four or five second interview, but they did like a 30 second, 30 second to a minute story Mm -hmm. on, uh, you know, on the news. So it was cool. I called my father. I said, Hey, I made the the news and I wasn't in handcuffs. And that was good. <laughs> Top shit. Yeah. But, you
3: know, the, the one thing I think comics don't necessarily uh, realize, is that you get something like that, you do a charity event, more people will see you at that one event in two hours than will see you in the years of working around comedy clubs an entire year. Do those events anytime you can. It's good karma. It's good energy. Do it whenever you can. Yeah. It's great energy. I'm glad you did that.
2: Yeah. I actually did a, an event a few weeks ago for uh, the veterans. Uh, one of the radio stations oh. was putting on an event. And a friend of mine, Kiernan Quinn, was on you know, I was lucky enough he on, you know, he honored to get the opportunity to go down and do it. So it was it was awesome. I've done that and some other charity events. I I have been asked a few times and every time I do it or or create our own event like we did a couple of weeks ago, but it's fun. You know, it's funny. I, I could say if I if I never make it as a comedy star, which the odds are against me, I, I'm having a great fucking time doing the radio show and you know, doing open mics and getting a couple of gigs and some paid gigs here and there. And, you know, it's just fun. It's, you know, that somebody might say I'm a hobbyist, but for now, I have no, I'm not going to commit to it enough to be more than a hobbyist until I, you know, I think that's what the first two to five years is all about, finding out. For me... it's,
3: it's- totally is. Now, you got to define what, what making it is. That's such a loose term, you know? And that says, me, like i me say, you would have been 41 if you would have, you know, been a plumber or a bus driver. You happened to get into comedy late. I was 19 when I started. Right. You know, so it's, life is not fair. It just is. You, you would have been this age anyway. So two to five years into it, you can't say, okay, I should be, you know, well, well Rodney Dangerfield was 41, and he had a TV show. That's a whole yeah. different thing. People compare too many other people. It's you. You can only be the best you you can be. And that's yes. anybody.
2: And that is so much like what Phyllis Diller would say. You can only be the best you that you can be, and God rest well, her we soul. Can talk about her
3: for just a second? I, yes. I, I, she was I, unbelievably great, and I think that the younger generation looks at her as as an old, you know, Bippy. She was 95, and most of it, I, I saw when I saw Bob Hope, I was a kid. He was old when I was a kid. I'm thinking, this old fart's not funny. His, <laughs> his pants are above his nipples, and he's talking about all these hot chicks
1: <laughs> on TV. I'm thinking,
3: you're an idiot. But it, as I as I unpeel, you know, my career, and I look back and see how great that he was. Phyllis Diller is just, it was awesome. And she was 37 years old before she stepped on a stage the first time. She had five kids and a bad marriage, and she uh, attributes a book called uh, the uh, the power of, the magic of believing by Claude yes. M. and she said that changed her whole life. And uh, just a couple of things on YouTube. After she, unfortunately, she had to pass away. There's things to come up. There's some interviews with her, and uh, excuse me, it's just fantastic to see her positive attitude. And she was always generous and nice with young comics, Mm -hmm. and was total class on stage and off. And I saw some of the message boards in the Chicago crowd. She stinks. She's old school. Yeah, I should stink like her, coming out of nowhere (laughs) and being on top for forty years. I'll stink like Phyllis Diller (laughs) any day of the week.
2: Absolutely. Uh, She she will definitely be missed. But there's a a lifetime worth of comedy to learn from just just from watching her alone. mm mm-hmm. You know, it's... The
3: great thing about her was she, she was a great jokesmith. She bought a lot of jokes. And that's really not a, uh, uh, how can I say it? it's That's not a, a looked down upon practice by comics today. They think it's hack or old school. Well, some people are better performers than writers. Mm-hmm. And the smart thing back in the day was you bought jokes. And you could elect like songs. You know, Elvis didn't write one song that he sang, but he had all the hits. It was the charisma of the performance. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think Phyllis didn't write a whole lot of jokes, but she sure knew the good ones to buy. That's a real thing, too. For to right. to know what's right for you in your
2: act. Well, I I uh I had interviewed a comedian who's written a lot of books mm-hmm. and he sells a lot of jokes, uh Daryl Littlein mm-hmm. or Littleton. And he makes, okay. you know, and there's a lot of big names that he's sold jokes to. Uh he did a lot of work. Uh he toured with Cat Williams, but he, you know, and I won't do well, for Cat Williams too
0: for a lot of Right. He wrote B- a lot English, of stuff a lot for Cat. So
2: for. I mean there's so many people and he's told me people I'm, I he can't even mention, but it still runs rampant that people buy jokes. I mean, I if you're if if you're a you know, let's just say Chris Fox and Chris Rock and although those guys may write all their jokes all the time, there are people on that level that they can't stay that fresh all the time. There are people that just buy jokes. It happens. Somebody could write a joke for you because the way they know you you know, they know your personality, but I, I don't know. It's, it seems weird. I got trouble writing my own jokes, let alone ones from anybody else. We're writing one for somebody.
3: I totally, I totally, a lot of comics do look at it as a weird thing, but then you you hit something, like you said, you hit it big, and there's so many business things going on for you, your show suffers, and you've got a couple of TV spots, and you burn up all your really good riffs, and now they've seen that already, and you're in it, you know, they pay $50 to see you at a a 2,000-seater, you've got to have new material, and you you can't write it that fast, so a lot lot of guys will turn to writers in those kind of situations. You're absolutely right. I just want to take the mystery and the woo-woo away from it, from young comics. You know, write jokes. If you have somebody that's at your fan of and maybe you can get their style, approach them. Maybe they might not all accept it, but just say, hey, I'd like to write some jokes for you. And even if they don't pay you a lot, it's it's good experience at the front. I know people say, oh, what if they steal my joke? If you're a good writer, somebody's going to steal your material. Sorry, it's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. I had it happen to me. It, it, it's, just, it's a compliment. Jay Leno had a good line. He goes, I can write it faster than they can steal it.
2: There you go. It's part of the
3: process of coming up. It just is. It, it sucks, but it's, it's the way it is.
2: Yeah, I mean, if if you are a good writer, you will write something else and more and better often. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, absolutely true. So some of the people you've worked with, I mean, you worked with everybody from Jerry Seinfeld to Andrew Dice Clay. Who, who are some of the favorites that you've been on stage with or had some great experiences with?
3: Well, it's really funny. I tell this story all the time. So you can guess who this one is. I think I. I, I don't know if I told this last time, on, but you guys can guess it. There was a guy, when I started out, I was probably in it only a couple of years, and he said, Kid, you, you got something, man. I don't know what it is, but you are really funny and really quick. I want to buy you lunch tomorrow. I want to run this concept by you, man. I think I want to make a lot of money, and I want you to come along with me. And I, I'm like, I heard it like Charlie Brown's teacher Wah, 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 buy you lunch. That's what I heard. Okay, I'm going to get a free lunch.
2: I'm going to guess uh, is it somebody that would be on your front page?
1: On uh, uh no
3: you no, 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 no. I'll tell you, you're going to guess it. it's pretty easy, and I'll tell you what happened. So the next day I show up, and he's telling me this, and he's a very organized guy, and he's a super nice guy, and he's still a nice guy now. And he had his little little spiral notebook out. He has little three by five cards. He had his little jokes and his lines, and he goes, here's my idea. You ready? I said, okay, and I was happy with the hamburger that he bought me. And said, here's <laughs> my idea. You might be a redneck, yeah, and then I do jokes about it. <laughs> What do you think about that? Nice. And I said, in my 22 year old wisdom, that is the stupidest idea I have ever heard in my entire life, and it was Jeff Foxworthy, and he said, why do you say that, I think I'm going to do really well with this, and I said, that's a, a bit out of Mad Magazine, man, if you can sell that garbage to the American public, you should get a pink Cadillac from Mary Kay and a medal, because you're an idiot, I love you, you're a nice guy, that, that's crap, he said, I'm going to do really well with it, and of course he did well, now now, cut ahead, about 10 years later, I was working in Reno, Nevada, and I had a, uh, a radio job out there, morning radio, and Jeff Foxworthy mm-hmm. and Bill Engvall, it was that before the blue collar, I think, really took off, but they were at the Reno Hilton, and they had an outdoor theater at the Reno Hilton, and they had 9,400 tickets. I don't have a calculator. Maybe you have one in the studio. 9,400 tickets, and the ticket price was 35 bucks each, and it wow. was sold out. And I was working at the radio station, and I got backstage, and I walked up to Jeff Foxworthy, and I said, hey, Jeff, do you remember me? He goes, yeah, you're the guy that told me I'd never make. And we laughed about it. And he laughed a lot harder than I did. I'll tell you that. <laughs> and he said, "You know what? You, you weren't the only person that told me that I was an idiot, but you were right." In-
2: what happened there? Ooh, I think we lost Toby. Wow! Did Toby lose out on us? Ring, Damn ring, cell phones! Ring, ring the he bell. Must, make sure no one's. He must be using there. Metro. Either way. So what's? Wow! that Yeah. I'm disappointed. Is he still there? I, th- I am heartbroken. Doby, where are you? We can't do this without you. We can. It just won't be as fun. It
0: won't be as fun. I'm not as. He is still yeah, there? Yeah,
2: you might as well call him back. Something's going on. Maybe yeah. he'll rebeep us. All right, hang up on him. That's nice of you. We hung up <laughs> on Doby, who's not. You know, Doby, not only does his phone die, but. He pulled off the side of the road while driving to have to do this interview. That's awesome, yeah. And now we're harassing him because his cell phone died or something's going Something on. I'm know. an evil son of a bitch, I think.
0: Yeah, we knew that.
2: You uh, knew that? Oh yeah, totally. So why do you come here if I'm so evil? Because I don't want to get on your bad side. That's which side is the bad side? I don't, I don't know a lot of sides. I'm pretty big. This is true. I'm the hoping best.
0: I'm hoping I'm hearing the whole Charlie Brown wah, 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 buy you lunch, Gwiggy. <laughs> <That's all. laughs> you're kind of fat i don't know exactly. if i can afford That's to right. buy you a
2: how come every time i see you you're wearing that stupid i love fucking cat shirt
0: i don't know i just have it, it the shirt i had on earlier i got food on it so i was like eh, i gotta change shirts before i come up here so every fucking I it's know. almost
2: like every monday it's a good shirt it's a good monday shirt it's because a monday off shirt today
0: i was like i'm off
2: So. You're a little off every day, I'm always
0: man. off. Yeah, definitely.
2: Now, you're on, what are you, You chopping food or something? What do you mean? Yeah, you're off yeah. from your regular job? My
0: regular job, yeah. What do you,
2: what do, you do? Your regular product job? Product
0: demonstrating. It's, yeah, just chopping stuff. Product it's demonstrating. Product demonstrating.
2: Do you demonstrate like a good product, like a vibrator it is. for a ladies? It's a pretty good product.
0: I can't really talk. I don't want to... Is I don't even, know if I'm allowed to talk too much about it on the radio or
2: whatever. But, I don't you know, really give a decent... fuck. I hope yeah, you I get in trouble and get fired. <laughs> I don't care. Then I'll just come Fire to house him. all the time. Yeah, yeah you want to come to my house? <laughs> bring some Febreze, baby. <laughs> I got a bachelor pad and I'm 40. Oh. I got a pile of stinky socks in the corner. And you've
0: told me all the good buffets you go to, too. so you, oh, go definitely got to gotta have buffets, baby.
2: <laughs> I like the Chinese buffets where they got the... The good sushi, like the one at, oh, at nice. the Crazy yeah. Buffet. Oh, yeah. no. oh man, I haven't been there in forever, man. Oh, that's, that's a good place. Give yeah. a shout out to the Crazy Buffet, <laughs> Northdale, Mabry, Tampa, Florida. Delicious. Nice. Uh I feel like Homer. What's the Homer noise? Uh, whatever the hell it is, I can't even do <laughs> oh, it. But I'd go for some chopsticks and some damn sushi nice. from that fucking place mm-hmm. right now, baby. Oh man, mm-hmm. who's who got some sushi? Can we get some? Can we get sushi delivered here? Get sushi deliver can we get sushi here. delivered? Be Dave. (laughs) Don't look at me, Nolan. (laughs) I'm just fucking going crazy. I got to do right now what Dobie Maxwell said. He had nine, ten minutes. He didn't know. He's just got to talk and fill time now. Yeah, just talk. Because this whole show was all around Dobie and getting him on the show and all that good stuff. So now I got to fucking talk to you and shit. Huh? It happens. So what else is going on, man? You guys just came off of. Doby, if you charge your phone up and plug it in, we're going to get back to you. Mm-hmm. However, you just came off of you had a pretty good show a few weeks ago at the Improv with your yeah. Got Jokes mm-hmm. Improv group. How'd that go? Give us a little good. rundown. Good, a good show.
0: It was uh, it was Wednesday night. Um, we had a pretty packed house. That so was good. That's always good when you pack the Improv. So um, especially on Wednesday night, sometimes it's not always a, a regular show night here at the in, in the Tampa Bay area, basically at least in Eboard and stuff like that. So so it was a good show. Um, you know, a couple little kinks here about sound and stuff, but other than that, it was great. I mean, it's it's all sort of that stuff. Like I said, with, with a lot of the short form, it's kind of gamey to where you, you kind of have a little bit of a setup and you have an idea, some different things of where you're trying to go, and you don't take the, the scene too far. Right. Uh, but you just look for a lot of the quick punch lines that you can get in
2: in a short period of time. But, cool. But yeah. So how long have you been doing improv now? Because you did improv before stand-up, or which way did it go? Uh, no, actually, well... Did you uh, I, suck at stand-up first and say, let me go try improv? No, no.
0: <laughs> well, I originally started doing stand-up back in, uh, I would say, 2007 when I moved back to Florida. Okay. I was living in Jersey, and I moved back to Florida. My friend uh, Sharon Gabourey, who does the Seriously Silly with Sharon. But has a million different voices. Yeah. Uh, she had just started stand-up a few months earlier, and she was like, she dragged me with her to a couple of open mics she was doing, so I just sort of got into it uh, with her, just hanging out with her all the time. And so we would riff off each other. We still riff off each other all the time. Yeah, uh,
2: she seems very fun. Uh, she is. I, like, yeah. I, unfortunately, I've never gotten to meet her. Uh, I would like to. Maybe one day we'll have her come on the show. Definitely. Yeah. I don't I'll, know I'll let I her keep know. up with her. She's like rapid fire. Yeah. She might be smarter than me too. <laughs> I might need to get some she dumb quick, people yeah. in here to make me look better. So, yeah. But something.
0: yeah, so that's how. That's how, I mean, we have two totally obviously different styles. I mean, she's high energy. Uh, insanity, total, a lot of different voices, and I'm really low, subdued, very dry humor and stuff like that. So it was you interesting. Are. Yeah, I
2: find nothing exciting about you. Yeah, at all, I know. No, nothing excitable. I'm sorry. At I all. feel like I'm going to go to <laughs> sleep. Why are you trying Probably, to make me yeah. go to sleep? You'll be On laughing while show.
0: you're sleeping, though. For some reason, it's very weird how that happens. At you? Totally. Your eyes will it's be like closed. A you'll still be message. laughing. Yeah, <laughs>
2: you'll
0: just hear it. It's, it's 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 laugh sleeping. It's just it's insane. You know. It uh, happens, man. Yeah. But actually, I mean, I, I, I had originally wanted to do stand-up when I was a kid, right? and I got into theater and stuff like that, so I did a lot of musical theater uh, growing up in high school, middle school, stuff like that, got into choir singing and stuff like that, and then I went to school for uh, music. I yeah, you school. were singing,
2: didn't you? Yeah. You got this deep, like, uh, opera voice.
0: Yeah, but actually it was a tenor. A tenor. I, know I'm, I know I'm sitting here and I have a, a deep-sounding speaking voice, but I still I, I had a lot of high notes. And stuff. Can we hear a high note? Not right now, it's one in the day. I'm not This anywhere is let's be up. frank with Dave Frank, yeah. and you're getting frisky with us. Frankly, I'm,
2: I'm, I'm way not warmed up at all to do come on, you're, today. Come on, man, your unwarmed up pitch has got to be better oh, than God, any no. pitch I could ever do. No, can you can you do that?
0: Uh, I'm Dude, sitting that's here better doing than than I, can no, do. no. I
2: can't do <laughs> no, it. it's just not at all
0: warmed up or anything. I, this is bad. So, but now the only thing that that I didn't like about singing is that. Well, I did like nah, singing. I enjoyed it for a while. Uh, the thing I didn't like about opera is that it's just when you get done doing any kind of an opera, there's not a lot there. It's just it it kind of felt like, all right, we can do a few more of these. Like we'd do a whole show, and I'd be like in three or four different bits. Unless you're doing like you, unless you have a major part in an opera, even then, still sometimes a lot of times you're not doing a whole lot. Now, so you played
2: Ruth Eckert Hall there here in Tampa, Florida, or St. Pete, Florida, yeah. though. That's a huge theater, yeah. right?
0: Well, yeah, I worked with the uh, Master Chorale. When, uh, I was, uh, when I was at USF, I was at the USF Chamber Singers, and we worked in with the Master Chorale and the Florida Orchestra, and we did the Verity Requiem there. We did that at the Mahaffey Theater, Ruth Eckert Hall, and uh, the uh, 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 Star Center, which I guess at the time was the Tampa Performing Arts Center. But yeah,
2: And now so they've yeah. been hooking up the comics over there at the Star Center. Yeah. They've got a couple of shows going mm-hmm. on. They're going to bring some good things to comedy, yeah. I think. It's going to be a good room. Definitely should be a place to go. Mm
0: -hmm. I haven't actually had a chance to get there yet, but I, but I understand they've been quite successful. Yeah. You know,
2: it's, it's a full blown regular theater, so it's not like your typical comedy club. So it's a, it's a unique experience when you get to do something like that. Yeah, definitely. Not that I've gotten to do something like that yet. The biggest crowd I've been in front of was like 600 and I was on a stage inside of like a football gym auditorium type of thing. It's pretty cool though. A lot of people. It was one of those charity Definitely when you have
0: a full crowd there and stuff like that, like, like couple of times that i performed at the improv just doing a couple of guest sets stand-up where i was there and had a full crowd there nothing like it especially when they're right there with you i've done a lot of
2: the open i can't even say i've done a lot i think once or twice i've done the uh open mic at the improv yeah Uh, totally
0: different experience in the bar as opposed to actually in the in the the main room
2: yeah yeah Yeah. i'm actually going to go there this friday night and harass the fucking shit out of Bobby Slayton. Absolutely. Oh
0: yeah, he's here this weekend. That's awesome. That's right.
2: And he's he's called into the show a couple times. Yeah. I text I texted him uh, like three weeks ago, and I found that he was coming in. I'm like, hey, you're coming in. You know, I got the day off. Why don't we go? We'll have lunch or something. You know. Yeah. We thank you for calling into the show a couple times. He sends me a text message. Send me the fucking money. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's awesome.
2: Yeah, man. Yeah. But I'm gonna. I'm going to try to hook up with him, see what happens. I'm going to cool. send him a message, see if he wants to hang out for a little bit. Yeah. So Nolan's such a whack job. He's looking at me as if he doesn't know what I'm trying to do. <laughs> where if he wore the headphones like any other engineer, he would know what I was doing. But when I wave yeah. my phone, it's supposed to know he should know that I sent him a text message. But he doesn't he's know that. Attention. He's clueless. No. Is he Is he even listening to me? I don't know. No. I don't think he's looking at me like I'm nuts. He's looking at me a little bit, Sissy. He's putting up his rabbit paws like he's a bunny. <laughs> He should be figuring out some kind of way to get Dobie Maxwell back yeah. on the phone, but or that might you- not be possible. Oh, go, go look at the other studio. They are important. I don't know Ladies what's going on Ladies and gentlemen, on, there. on
0: the Let's Be Frank with Dave Frank show, uh, this is the play-by-play of what's happening in the window that you can't see. Yes. It's great stuff here.
2: It's almost a shit that I wish <laughs> I wasn't seeing. I know. <laughs> so... What show? You got any shows coming up? Are you booked? Are you booked? Uh, we Are you we, do, we something do have
0: something else coming life? up. We, God jokes. We will be at the uh, Tampa Performing Arts, or no, I mean at uh, the Improv Center, uh, Tampa Improv again soon. Uh, I haven't got the exact date just yet. So, I've been uh, our uh, our boss has been a little busy. He's he's uh, also uh, a spoken word poet, and he's been working on some new songs as well as booking us for for the Improv and stuff like that too. So it's it's keeping him busy. So we've got some other things coming up though too. So no, I look cool. forward to doing a lot of the interesting things like that because we, we we did some really interesting things back in the day. Uh, we used to have this one room that we worked out of, and we had complete creative control to where we we put together a couple different shows. I
2: think we have a call. Maybe is this, he there? I don't know. Are you there? Is there this Doby? We got Doby back.
3: Yeah. <laughs> nice. I'm sorry, guys. It's a, I I couldn't call back. They said they wouldn't let me call. This account is not big. We can't call. It's like I don't know oh. what happened. I paid my bill. I'm sorry.
2: Are you working with one of them crappy Metro or Boost Mobile phones, man? What's going on? Aren't you a high roller yet?
3: I, no, I got the same phone I had before. I don't know what the deal is, brother. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's, That's all right, I, man. I know,
3: I, I, maybe it's a steel plate in one of our heads. I don't know who it is. Yeah.
2: <laughs> That's all right, man. We've just been babbling away here. Really? I've been practicing. I had to come up with material on the fly like you did when you had to sit in for that talk show. I had to make shit up and you rapid didn't, you didn't fire. You did a newspaper. Yeah. And I didn't have a newspaper, so I had to pick on the fact that you lost your phone call. I had to pick on Gwiggy. I had to talk serious for a minute. It was horrible. I hate having to think during yeah. this show. It makes it such a fucking... Well, they,
3: it, it keeps, it keeps, it keeps the mind sharp. It's going to be one of the stellar episodes that will go down in history. <laughs> launch it at the big time.
2: <laughs> hey, I, I'm glad we got you back on because I wanted to ask you something. I, I, uh, I know you know Comedian Longhorn, uh, and he put up that website, helpfulcomic.com
3: well I, I just met him through that because he, he uh we, we were kind of going back and forth and i sent him some of my uh, uh sheets that i kind of use for my comedy classes and he asked if he could just better pass them out to the uh newbies I said, absolutely i think i'm gonna end up writing a weekly column on his website I well think i, th- it's a great I site. think
2: he's already advertised like i saw you on there and i he picked up myself and a couple of other great podcasts to have on there uh you know so there's there's uh a comedy a go-go obviously what the fuck with mark marin is on there and a whole bunch of other ones connected comedians or connected comedy but when i saw yeah. that you were on there I, I even said to him i said there's nobody you know there's almost nobody better to get out there and have on your page to talk to people about comedy and you know he agreed so i, I was happy to see that you were on there it makes me feel like you know i i know that being a part of Hufflecomic.com was a good thing to begin with but i like seeing other names you know, like yourself and Dave Nelson, the comedy of GoGo, getting on there. It's not just all these big stars. Although Mark Maron's on there, it's not all about him. He's got a lot of good, hard-working people out there.
3: Well, I think it's really great. Now I don't know if you're a sports fan, but uh, there's a, there's a baseball hitting coach, a guy named Charlie Lau who passed away. There's also another guy named Walt Riniak. These are two guys that they played major league baseball, and they weren't they weren't that's so very hard to do, and they weren't big stars, but they were both hitting coaches, and a lot of the, the hitters. Swore by them, and a lot of other hitters swore at them. They just didn't get it. The same with me. It's like, I made the major leagues. I'm not in the household name, but I, I headlined him for all these years, and I think I know what I'm talking about. And the same with the Zadie's classes. A lot of people think I'm a guru. A lot of people think I'm a total idiot. And that's okay, because I'm not going to sugarcoat it.
2: Right. Well, I mean, you've taught a couple of thousand students. It's not like, in addition, it's not like you're just starting to teach comedy. I mean, you've been doing the comedy for a while, and you've been teaching comedy for a while. So. I mean, you have a great mix but, there, and it's and, not you know you're no and Ham and most, Egger,
3: most of the students that have taken the za classes in Chicago, and I will admit the first thing we admit is that they they are not trying to be full time comics. I would say out of uh, roughly two thousand right around there, I would say maybe twenty to thirty lasted a year or more and out of 20 or 30 maybe two or three are really trying to get out there and make it and that's kind of what the the odds are so i think on this website that longhorn's putting out it's going to be more people like yourself that are trying to be full-time comics i think i can help more people that really want to learn that i I like being a teacher like like the big brother i was a little brother i always got spit on and my butt kicked i think it's great (laughs) to be a big brother and a mentor to people i I enjoy it a lot
2: I, i was the middle brother my, my mother handed me, a, and I used to, I used to say, I was the middle, the middle. I, had a, not, I was the middle child, not the middle brother. I was the middle child, and I used to complain, uh, I got middle child syndrome, mom. You know, you, you know, you like my older brother for this and my younger sister for that, and I'm stuck in the middle. And my mother handed right. me, a, you know, the old marble colored composition books. She hands me that, uh, and she goes, Dave, I want you to write down every evil thing I've ever done to you. This way, when you grow up, you could tell the psychiatrist about it. And I was Ah. like, that's, (laughs) I'm like, that's great. That is awesome. This is 100% awesome parenting. Nice. It was actually pretty good. You should just take that list and read
0: it on stage sometime. I should, right? Yeah,
2: right there. All the fucked up shit I did? good
0: half hour worth of material right there.
2: I think I could. Well, and then then I go to the writing session and Steve Eric chops it down to five (laughs) minutes. This way I'm not babbling because you can't tell more of the story than the audience needs to know to get the punchline. Dave, you're babbling. Still right, though. He
3: really is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it's, and that's it comes from doing it a long time. You, yeah. you Roddy it Dangerous, It's not not put put in the setup. It's what you take out to get to the punchline the quickest.
2: Yeah, there you go. And that's, it's. I'm still learning it because, you know, I never went to a class for comedy. The closest thing I think i the, the closest thing for me is a class is when I go to these writing sessions or when I go and watch these other comedians or really every single week when I have you guys calling in. You know, not, not yeah. everybody is as informative. Some people are just fun and crazy like Bobby Slayton. And then I have somebody yeah. like you who gives great advice and has a lot of good things. Not that I don't love when Bobby calls in cause he's called in twice and it's always crazy. Unfortunately, I'm normally the bunt of his jokes, but Hey, <laughs> you do what you got to do for the thousands of fans that listen to the let's be Frank show every other second.
3: It's, you're doing a great job promoting this. Like guys like Bobby Slayton, I think, he's a perfect example of someone that's really been through the wars. He knows the stuff, and he comes up with the, you know, the pit bull and the, the the voice. So, so Bobby's a sweetheart of a guy, and he does help comics. I love Bobby Slayton. He's a wonderful guy.
2: Yeah, he just did, and I don't know if you've seen it yet. Uh, there's a guy, T.J. Hazleton, out of, uh, I don't know where the hell it is in that godforsaken country, Canada, but he's up there. And whenever the uh-huh. big comics come in, Uh, He has a YouTube show called Dinner with TJ, and he takes all, you know, so he's had Bobby Slayton, uh, Bill Burr, uh, Robert Kelly, all sorts of great comedians. Uh, The new season's going to have Wendy Liebman and other people uh, that he goes out to dinner with them. But the whole point is this kid grew up and he only ate five foods, so they get to pick a meal for him to eat and I think it was Robert Kelly and Bill Burr had one of those delicacies of a of a cooked pig head they made of meat. It was hysterical. So I let that, you know, that guy called in. We had a great time, and Bobby Slayton went on his show, and all these great comedians go on his show. So it, it, it's cool how many, the higher you go up the chain, you can see how these guys start to, to give back a little bit. You know, they they don't mind it. Some of them do. Some of them are like, I don't have time or or whatever it is, but so many people have been willing to call on the show, whether they're celebrity or just hard-working comics out there. It's been great.
3: Sure. I'm with some background noise here, guys. I don't know what it is.
2: Uh, that's probably the fucked-up thoughts in your head, man. I'm sorry. Those are with you for life. Do we lose you again, Dobie, or did I just blow your mind with that? I, I, I'm here
3: back right on, I can I can barely hear you. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I apologize.
2: That's all right. We are actually down to the last five minutes of the show, so I'm going to blame the total lack of you hearing me on your cell phone because it makes me feel better. I <laughs> use. <laughs> can you hear me at all, Dobie? Must be that darn we boost We lost him. Oh, wow! Well, yeah, we lost him. Yeah, like Nolan just said we lost him. So. Nolan said we lost him. He's got such a bad cell phone. Everybody, if you want to see Help Dolby get a better cell phone, call up 727-493-2055 <laughs> and make a donation to the Dolby Needs a New Cell Phone Fund. Or you can visit Dolby Maxwell at com. That's D-O-B-I-E, maxwell.com. Since- if you can't spell Maxwell, sorry about your damn luck. Yeah. What were you going to say? Since
0: this is the place where you do shameless plugs, we could shamelessly plug some of his shows he's got coming up here, too. Go ahead. Call out some of his shows, show. Quiggy. Uh, oh, this that's, says, that's 2011. says 2011. Oh, here's 2012. And um, uh, if, you were, if you have a time machine and want to go back to April of this year, <laughs> April of 13th and 14th, he was at Laughs in Tucson, Arizona. And well, at Zany's on April 17th through the 22nd in Chicago, Illinois. <laughs> so uh, get to working on that uh, flux capacitor that you've been uh, putting on the shelf for a while. Get to those shows back in April. That is That'd awesome. that be great. Um, but yeah, that's, that's that's about all he's got. I don't know. And of course, check him out at DobieMaxwell.com, uh, definitely.
2: Mr. Definitely Lucky check himself. out Dobie Maxwell at DobieMaxwell.com. Yeah. If you're in the Chicago area... And I don't care what the website mm-hmm. says, Doby's performing at Zany's or he's somewhere yeah. all and the he time. Just, he, oh, cool. Oh, okay. Doby, <laughs> how are you?
0: He's calling in right now.
2: He's calling he in right now. Doby, how are you?
3: I'm sorry to I heard background voices. I couldn't hear you. I totally apologize, brother.
2: I said it's, it happens, it's all the, foit, the fault of the cell phone companies and the voice in your head. There's just too many things going on in that head. You can't keep it all straight. I did tell everybody <laughs> to call into my radio station or to visit your website if they wanted to donate a dollar to the Dolby Maxwell Needs a New Cell Phone Fund. So hopefully you'll get some attention because of that. <laughs> Everybody's going to donate a dollar to buy Dolby a cell phone. Call in, donate I, a dollar. I gotta,
3: get, I, I gotta hang up. I I can't hear you at all.
2: Pasta la pasta, baby. Thanks for calling in. It's been fun.
3: I, I love you guys. Thanks a lot, man. Pe- peace out. Anytime and evening. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right, bye
2: bye. All right, guys. So let's see who. What's coming on? You know what we got coming up in a couple of weeks? In a up? couple of weeks? Oh, or in is the
0: it... uh, the award show. The. Yeah.
2: Comedies. Slam, slam Radio, radio and Glodsworth Global Media Award Show. I don't know if I'm getting anything. I better get fucking something. Nolan, I want to make sure I get a fucking award at the award <laughs> show. I don't care if it's for the fattest bastard. Coming out of the closet into the new room, because I'm not gay. I don't care if people are gay, but we came out of the closet together, me and Nolan, and Gwiggy was in the closet with us, I and a whole slew of closet. other fuckers were in there. It was a horrible- I was fucking... getting my
0: jacket, and they were naked. I have no idea why
2: they- <laughs> It was really weird. I was I... not naked. He was... My underwear is not naked. He was naked. Uh I pictures. I was a little naked.
0: He was a lot naked. It was You're really... fucked up, man. Why you, gotta, on...
2: why you gotta toss me under the bus, just, man? You-,
0: you pulled me into the closet with you so i had to toss you there it's really scary what else you were tossing in that closet too so i don't want to talk
2: about that do we want to go out on tossing stuff <laughs> no. we awful. got one minute left we I mean, a minute left it's i got awful. nothing to plug
0: i well i do have to say that that, that this is this is going great here I, I love all the people you've been talking to that was really great interview. even though we lost a lot of the connection with Toby. uh you know yeah, but Feeling at least it wasn't. Here.
2: You know, at least I could I don't blame mean to be Dobie. Smoke up your ass, but there's- Doby, when you listen to this, I love you and I hate your cell phone. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Everybody, we're tuning out. Tune in next week, and you got to thank Wiggy because without Gwiggy, we wouldn't be here next week. Mm. Asta la pasta, Probably. baby. Peace. Thanks for listening in to the Let's Be Frank Show on ComedySlamRadio.com. If you missed this show or like to catch up on past shows, visit us on Stitcher Radio and iTunes at Let's Be Franks Podcast and have a great night. We'll see you next week.